Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. Welcome to episode three, Challenging Times with Challenging People. Hi, Misty. Hello, Lauren. How are you today? I'm doing really good. It's a good day. Good. It's good to see you. Always a good day when I get to talk to you. That's right. (laughs) I agree. We have a really good time recording these podcasts. We we love the topic of mindfulness and how it applies to, to real life. And so we get a lot of enjoyment out of, out of bantering together. So we're really glad that you're here listening. Absolutely. So challenging times with challenging people. I think we can all relate. <laughs> and this conversation can span families. It can span work. It can span um, school environments. And I wanted to open with what happens when we are in a challenging conversation with somebody. And, and this could be a face-to-face conversation, or in my opinion, one of the least effective ways to communicate, perhaps an online argument with somebody, which oh. I really personally try to, to avoid doing, you know, sitting behind my computer screen, typing away. But when we are in a conversation that is turning heated, there's a physical reaction in our body. So the response in the body is called fight or flight. We've probably all heard of this in some form. And it literally means something has happened to trigger the stress response cascade in your body. And it's, it's many, many chemical hormonal reactions that shift how your body feels. And so it could feel like sweat. It could feel like elevated heart rate. It could feel like trembling. It could feel like thirst, headache. Um, there's, there's all these elevated responses that we feel. Yet if we're at work and in a challenging conversation, we have this heightened response, but we have to kind of remain in this calm facade on the exterior Because it's not really going to fly if we fly off the handle at our boss or at our coworker and, and get angry and say all the things that we don't mean and that we later regret. So because there's not an outlet for that chemical reaction that's happening in the body, sometimes there is, right? But in certain situations, there isn't. And so the only thing we can do is try to calm our own self down. And we'll do a practice at the end of this podcast on how to do that. But when we're in that elevated response, we can no longer hear what is being said. We can hear, but we are not absorbing the message of what the other person is saying to us. We can no longer think logically. We can no longer practice empathy and compassion. And so it's really the worst time to try to have a constructive conversation when we've hit that fight or flight, because pretty much any good outcome has flown out the window. So 
we wanted to open with that today because hopefully just listening to this, you've been able to kind of feel for yourself what your own unique fight or flight response is. Like I know for me, I get shaky. Um, I get shaky and I get a little bit sweaty. And that's when I know, <laughs> lovely, that I've moved into that state and I'm no longer as clear-minded as, as I normally am. So what is your, Misty, what is your unique state? Oh, yes. Mine's <laughs> lovely also. I get very, very flushed and liquid comes out of my eyeballs. <laughs> like I'm crying, <laughs> but I, I say liquid out of my eyeballs because it's not like crying like I'm sad. It's like my emotions, that's where they come. And then people automatically assume that I'm upset. And sometimes it's confrontational can make me that way. And I can't even tell you how many times I've been in a business situation where these things have started happening to me. And I mean, it has taken everything in me to get myself back down. I feel like now if I were put in some of those situations, I would be able to um, quickly identify and quickly be able to take my breaths and bring myself back to a normal state. But in my 20s and my 30s, oof, I was very, if you said something that got me the wrong way, you know, caught me off guard, or I felt like you were to come in at me in some way, that trigger would go off. Um, and it's interesting to hear that everybody has like that different trigger. Yeah, that's, that sounds like, just hearing you talk about that, it sounds like it must have been almost kind of scary to, to know that in the heat of the moment that you could feel not much control over your reaction. And, and with family and stuff, it's one thing, but like, right, like at work in a business setting, if you're on a massive sales, sales meeting or something, I mean, that's really, really hard. I remember a time, probably one of the most embarrassing times in my career, actually. I, I'm really bad with numbers. And I have, if there's some sort of free, like, learning disability for math and being, like, overwhelmed by it, by anxiety, I have it. I can add and I can do all of the things, but if you put me on the spot and I have to give you an answer, those reactions that you just described happen to me. And I was in a sales meeting and we had about a hundred people in there and the VP of the company came in and he was asking very pointed questions to reps and just kind of pointing them out. And he pointed to me and he wanted me to tell him, I can't even remember, but it was some sort of like profit loss or margin that I could never in a million years do by myself, just sitting there much less on the spur of the moment. And I felt that and I couldn't give an answer. I, I froze and he, and you had to have a microphone to speak. So I'm sit sitting there with this microphone frozen. My teammate next to me grabbed the microphone and answered the question. And everything went on like nothing happened. And afterwards she said, did you have a stroke? And I said, I was frozen in fear. And it was literally what you described about that, that feeling overtook me to where I couldn't even do anything. Yeah. It's actually never other, that's the only time I can remember that happening, yeah. but gosh, it was awful. And it was in a professional situation. I looked ridiculous um, and it was 
had I have known that I could just take a breath in that instance, I would have, but I, my brain wouldn't even let yeah. me take a breath. Yeah. It's like, and it probably was amplified because there was a hundred people in the room mm -hmm. and you were on the spot so intensely that the, the stress response in your body and literally made you freeze and you could not think. Yeah. That's a heightened, heightened stress state. And you're right. It's like, unless you know how to hijack that, it's just going to take over. And I didn't at that point. You didn't at that time. And, no. and now, aren't you so grateful for the tools that we have where we can notice our body beginning to respond? Because our body responds before our conscious thinking mind even knows what's going on. The body is giving us signals. And if we can get good enough at noticing those signals and then hijacking, literally hijacking the body's response with some mindfulness practices, it can change the trajectory of a meeting, of a day, of a relationship, um, of everything. I agree. I, it's helped me in my relationship a lot in regards to not being such a crier um, and just showing all my emotions that way. Because once that started, I wasn't able to hear what my husband was saying or the other person was saying. Mm -hmm. Now I know once I feel that trigger, I can start to take those breaths and start to bring myself down so that I can remember my empathy. Right. I can remember to see things from their perspective. I can hear what they're saying. Um, but before, I just wasn't in control of it. Yeah. I think it's important to make the distinction of of crying is fine. Crying is healthy, right? It's a, it's a natural um, emotional release. And for, for all of us, it's a signal that the nervous system has, has quieted sometimes when we can cry when we're just sort of resting or at the end of a meditation or mindfulness practice. But Misty, what you're saying is that for you, the tears were different than that. The tears yes. were, were your body's reaction to being triggered it was just like and your sweat. It was just it came like my on my sweat. eyeballs. <laughs> right. Yes. So, so making that distinction between the two that... Of course. That, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's okay to cry. I, we're right. all a bunch of criers around here. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So I think the, the next little point about how to navigate with challenging people during challenging times is, is a tool called mindful listening. You know, I could look at you with my eyeballs on your eyeballs and you might think I'm totally listening and I could be thinking about something else entirely. You know, like we are really good at pretending to pay attention, but not. And so mindful listening, it's actually more appropriately called appropriately called active listening, I think is, is really key. And as long as you have the interest in mending a challenging relationship with somebody or a situation. So for me to mindfully or actively listen to you, I would turn my body toward you and I would take a couple breaths. So I don't feel that fight or flight response in my body, but I'm as present and clear and grounded as I can be. And then as you speak, sometimes with, with someone that's really, really hard for you, they just need to get it off their chest. You know, so letting them, letting them talk, just let them get it out. And then if I am actively listening to you, I might pick up on something that you're actually not saying. 
like the hidden message beneath your words. What's the hidden meaning? What's really going on for you? You know, there's, there's a lot of different studies on how much of our communication is actually verbal. And I'm not going to quote it because the numbers are conflicting depending on what study you look at. But the bottom line is that most of our communication is from your nervous system to my nervous system and mine back to yours and in the brain that way. And so there's so much beneath just language that me giving you my fullest attention and really just listening to you with all I've got could be all that's needed because I might a understand something I didn't before about your situation and about you and B I'm just holding the space for you to say what you need to say without it triggering my own reactions because I'm practicing breathing, staying grounded and trying to stay clear minded. I think that was very well said. Um, I, Mindful listening or active listening is something in my old sales job that they used to train all the sales reps on. And I always thought it was funny because it's like, here you got this great group of salespeople, but none of them can listen. And everybody want, especially that type of personality, everybody just wants to be heard and wants to say what they want to say. And <clears throat> if you are in the, any type of sales job, I can promise you, that person just wants to be heard. And it's such a good point to make about sometimes you just need to say it, get it off your chest and get it all out and then you feel a lot better. And you probably would be surprised what people will do given the experience that someone's not combating them or challenging them or interrupting them, they're just simply listening, could turn the whole relationship to a, a better course which is probably the end goal. <laughs> totally. And, and, you know, I don't have the strong sales background that you do, but I can imagine that when you are the person selling and you're not listening to your client, mm -hmm. um, in your case, to your doctor, or your physician, right? You're missing a lot of information. So active listening in, in a sales situation could gift you the key to what will be the in with that client, right? <laughs> that was my manager's mantra, what you just said. Like you're if good. you, you're going to get the stuff you need within what they're saying. So just let them talk. And the same goes if you're having a conflict with someone, just yeah. hear what they have to say, let them get it all out. And she even would have us say to the person, when they were done you know, spilling all their stuff, is that everything? Is there anything else you want to tell me? Nice. Giving the person like, okay, like I've got all the information. Now here's how I can respond. Nice. Um, and sometimes I had done that with some physicians and it kind of completely disarmed them. They, yeah. Well, no, I'm, that's all. That's everything. Okay. Well, let's start with what you said about this. And, I'm able to talk through the points that they had and then it diffuses the whole situation. Yes. And that's just by active listening, just what you said. Um, but that goes back to mindfulness because you got to be mindful for yourself because the other person most likely isn't doing what you're doing. 
Right. They didn't listen to this awesome podcast and they don't know all about this stuff. And you thankfully are working on yourself and being more mindful, but you must assume that not everybody's just like you. So sit down, take your deep breaths, do your grounding work and hold the space. just like you said. Right. And I think it's the word active, like active suggests that there's something happening intentionally, right? This isn't called passive listening, which is yes. what we do most of the day is just, <laughs> you know, let sounds come in and let them move through. But active listening, like it's an, it's an active practice of intentionally with, with your whole body and your whole mind and your eyes and your ears and your heart listening to somebody. And, you know, think about like whether it's sales or just trying to mend a relationship at work or in a family. I mean, steamrolling over somebody has never worked, right? Steamrolling over somebody is not going to make them want to buy your product. It's not going to make them want to let you back in if the relationship familial or work-wise is broken. It's not going to make them want to see your side and work with you. So I mean, what, do, what does anybody even really want just to be seen and heard? I mean, that is a deep, deep human desire. And if we can go into any situation understanding that people just want to be seen and heard, it could change everything. I 100% agree. And I think the last point ties it all up with a bow, and that's don't take it personally. Yes. Right? You're we've all been there. We've all been in a situation where it feels like the person is coming at you. It's about what you did. It's about the report that you did wrong, whatever it is. It's not about you. It's about the situation and get yourself out of the way and don't take it so personally. It's very hard. It's very very hard. It's hard for me. Um so I know people really struggle with this, but if you know that it's not all about you, I mean, so what if someone's having a bad day, you know, yeah. and you, you don't know what happened to them right before they came into this meeting with you. And so now they're in this terrible mood and you're like, oh my gosh, they don't like me. And so then suddenly you're going to put up this barrier and act like, well, I'm going to, you know, stick my head or stick my heels in the ground about this project we're doing because I don't think they like me. And it creates this whole vicious thing when in fact, this guy just had, had some bad news come in right before he came into the meeting. Yeah. I think that's super important. I mean, as humans, we create meaning out of everything. And sometimes I think it's really necessary, like to create meaning out of pain or or some really challenging situation that you've gone through, I think is part of the healing process. But we create meaning out of stuff that actually has no meaning. Like somebody says something in a room that had nothing to do with us, and somehow we take it on and make it all about us. And I don't care who you are, you do this. Like as humans, we do this, right? I think some of us do it to lesser degrees than others. But if we can use the phrase, this has really helped me, just happening. Something happens, we start to take it personal, we start to make it all about us. 
if we can stop and recognize we've done that and say silently in our mind, just happening. This thing is just happening. It's not about me. It is just happening. It's not personal, right? And so it is an active process of noticing we've started to take on that story, having to tell ourselves, girlfriend, it's not about you, just happening. We can then detach from that thing and not let it start to inform the relationship that's in front of us that we're working with. And I think too, a huge realization with it's not about me is understanding that you're in front of somebody in this moment, having this challenging conversation. Say this person is 50 years old. They have had 50 years of a life that they are bringing to this moment with you. They've had experience, they've had pain, they have had heartbreak, they could have had deep trauma. Who knows what's in their ancestral line? I mean, we have no idea what people are dealing with. And so to understand that, that humans are much more complex than what we're meeting in this one 10 minute conversation, there's so much behind that. And can we hold a little bit of understanding and perspective and compassion for really the human experience. It's tough work, especially when maybe you're, especially right now, a lot of people aren't actively with their coworkers. Right. Um, I'm sure I know, I know like for my husband, the communication piece and getting paperwork and stuff can get really annoying and, yeah. and heated and you didn't send this and I need this. And, they're not in an exact office now, so it's creating some communication issues. So I, I would think this is work that everyone's needing to really hone in on and make sure that they're good with um, and being able to put yourself in other people's shoes. You know, that's such a good quality to have. My grandmother's been telling me that since I was a little girl. Like, you have to, to try to put yourself in people's shoes. And if you could do that and even if you don't know that much about them, because quite frankly, some of your coworkers, you might not know that much about them, but you know what you see and, and you can put yourself in their shoes. So I think that not taking it personally is so important and probably the hardest work we do with this. Yeah, I agree. Well, let's close with our mindfulness practice. Awesome. And I think, this is a practice you could use, like you just said, there's a lot of remote working right now where, which even makes it a little more difficult because so much is left up to interpretation in an email or in a text. Mm-hmm. It's missing really the energy, right, of the person and them verbally speaking. And so say you receive an email and you feel your blood boil, right? Blood boil is just the term for you've shifted into the stress response or you're in a meeting, you're face-to-face with somebody, something is said. Sometimes something is not said. It's just like a glance or a shift in the room and there it goes, blood is boiling. So in that moment, the first piece of this practice is to recognize that your body has shifted into the stress response because without the awareness, you're not going to know to use the breathing technique, right? So number one, What are the physical sensations for you that let you know you've been triggered? And then number two, 
is a practice called three deep breaths. And it's not just three deep breaths, it's three deep breaths with an extra long exhale. So in the body, when we exhale twice as long, intentionally, we are toning a massive important nerve called the vagus nerve. And when the vagus nerve is toned, it helps us come down from the stress response. It, it travels through every organ. It branches off to most parts of the body. And through three deep breaths, there's tons of research, research that shows that the longer exhale is nurturing and healthy for this nerve. And so ideally what you'll feel is your heartbeat quiet down as the vagus nerve is toned, slow down. You'll feel your body come back to its normal temperature as the vagus nerve is toned. You might feel the sweat dissipate or the liquid from your eyes dry up. (laughs) And so whatever your individual responses should go away, practicing this long exhale. So last note, depending on how heightened you get, you might need like 10 deep breaths with a long exhale. But today we'll just do three. So if you're in a place where you can just sit and close your eyes, do that. But if you're not, you can do this anywhere. You can do this staring at somebody's face. You can do it anytime. Inhale for a count of three. And then exhale to a count of six. Inhale to a count of four. Exhale to a count of eight. Inhale to a count of five. Exhale to a count of 10. Don't worry if you can't quite make it to 10. Just go as long as you can. And then if your eyes were closed, open your eyes. That is literally all it takes to bring your nervous system back down to the ground, we call it. Such an amazing tool. Thank you for sharing. I always love those. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you, Misty. Thank you, Lauren. I've enjoyed it. Me too. Thank you to everybody. Thanks for listening. Bye.